It's time for episode 370 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, October 28th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's not falling back for the winter. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across this internet by my good pal and Among Us buddy, it is Dan the Man Morin. How you doing, Dan? Very sus, Micah. Very <laughs> sus. Uh, I'm doing okay. I just noted as I read that intro dateline that it is today is technically my half birthday, so I'm halfway through my year and what a year it's been anyway we don't have time for that <laughs> oh no we don't have time for that because we've got two awesome guests and to my left is a prolific technology podcaster writer and you know what developer heck yeah it's allison sheridan how you doing allison Woo-hoo! i'm finally comfortable saying i am a developer nice <laughs> that's nice and to my left this week, uh, maybe you know him from his stints at places like Mobile Nations or iMore, but you probably know him from his excellent YouTube channel. It's Renee Ritchie. Welcome back, Renee. Oh, it is so good to be here with all of you doing this thing that we do. Uh, well, the thing that we do, we should start because we don't have that much time and there are four topics and mine starts with this. Uh, the Financial Times put out a report talking about how Apple is sort of kind of developing uh, an alternative to Google search. Uh, there's both stuff that has been the ground that has been laid in iOS 14, but also some uh, sources close to the matter with knowledge familiar to the, you know, uh, who are, are kind of looking at a future in which Apple steps away from Google and does a, a, a search function of its own. So my question is, what do you use primarily to search the web right now? And are you open to changing that should something else come along? Allison, we'll start with you. Well, I always like to experiment with the new cool thing. So I do definitely experiment with the different search engines. You know, I've tried DuckDuckGo and I've tried Bing, but it's like one whole day before I just go, okay, I'm not getting, I'm not getting what I need. I, I have to go back. So um, it, it's definitely dominant. We all know that, but it also works really well. So I'm, I'm definitely open to changing um, and I will experiment with it. But I do have to say, I think Google is actually getting worse. For ages, I've been using the trick of putting, you know, a plus in front of a word that I insist be in my results or maybe putting a phrase in quotes to make sure it's in the results. But lately, Google seems to be ignoring that and just going, well, here, here's some other garbage I found that has nothing to do with the main <laughs> thing you were looking for. So I, I, I'm open to it changing for sure. Change it. Um, I, I, I find this report intriguing. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. Currently, I am a Google user because, as Allison was saying, it, it does tend to provide the best results for me. I think some of it is a you know a certain familiarity with not just even the the syntax of how you make searches, but even just like what kind of results are likely to come up when you type it in. I think about it a little bit like crosswords. If you do a crossword from like a particular paper, you get used to some of their like idiosyncrasies and some of the words that come up frequently. Whereas I think it's a sort of the same thing with Google. You get kind of used to like, oh, I'm going to see this result here. I'm going to see this result here. And so adapting to that requires a lot of changes. I'm open to the idea. I think 
to me, this is a really, it's kind of a totally obvious in hindsight, um, you know, idea when you look at it, because Apple has made a history of the, you know, over the last decade and longer, uh, bringing technologies that it considers critical to the success of its products into its own house, building its own processors in building its own uh, graphic stuff, its cellular modem stuff that it's been developing, mapping, switching to from Google Maps to Apple Maps. It makes total sense that they would try to develop a search thing for whatever reason. If they want to terminate their business relationship with Google, if Google gets in illegal hot water, uh, if Google goes out of business, you know, they want to have their bets covered so that they're, they're ready there. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what they could do with it. I think it is a big challenge when Google has dominated the industry for so long. But I do believe that, you know, it might be a little bit of a rough transition, but that eventually, you know, 10 years from now, we could all be using Apple search and being like, yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah, I'm one of those people who I feel like the early Nielsen's where I want to tell you all that I watch PBS, but I really watch TMZ. <laughs> and it's like, I want to say I use DuckDuckGo. And in my heart of hearts, I use DuckDuckGo, but it just it doesn't produce the same results. I agree with Allison. Google results have gotten worse. And I think that's just because they have competing stakeholders internally that want to prioritize different things. But it still most of the time gets me close to what I want. As to Apple and search, I'm cautiously pessimistic because their search has just never been good. And they've had so many opportunities in so many years and just basic things like it took them forever to just handle misspellings. Like just what is the nearest neighbor to the thing I type that you say doesn't exist that does exist? And just search wide. Like everything, every basic solved problem in search, Apple acted like it was still a problem. And even now, with once you hide a home screen, you type in the name of an app, half the time it doesn't think you have that app. And it gives you some wacky web search result instead of the app you have on your phone. So I would love a functional alternative to Google. Like back in the old days when we had AltaVista and all the different search engines, I just... I just don't, Apple has not shown me historically that they're up to the task yet. Love to be proven wrong, but they're going to have to prove me wrong. Uh, right there with you, Renee. I think for me, um, same same goes for also the, I wish that I was the person who used DuckDuckGo or one of the others. But when it comes down to it, I just want my results and kind of uh, am used to the things that I'm used to. And so I tend to just use the... Uh, Top bar in Safari, which I have tied with uh, Google and on my phone, you know, spotlight search and all of that. And so it's just, it's what I use and it's what I've used. And yeah, I agree too with Allison that I think it's along with the stakeholders thing. I also think that it's trying to be smart and it's just gotten to a place where it's trying to be too smart. And then it provides these results that don't make sense. Um, but I do find there's some fun to the puzzle of putting together the right, um, the right symbols and the right wording to get the result that I want. So I get to play a little puzzle each day, uh, when I go to do a search. And yeah, I guess I enjoy that. Maybe I'm a, what is that? A masochist, a sadist? One of those two. Um, but I, I, I like that. I guess as far as Apple, doing a search. I don't know. I'm, I'm with you, Renee, uh, cautiously pessimistic. Uh, maybe we should start a band. Um, but I am open to a change if something comes along that's better. And like Allison, I do like to try out the new things at the very least. Alrighty, folks, thank you all for your answers on that first topic. Let's move on to our next one, which comes from Allison. 
Well, Tesla is letting select quote-unquote safe drivers test out a massive rewrite of their full self-driving mode. And I'm a fan of a massive rewrite because I have a Tesla and I'm not really comfortable with the decisions that it makes today. So my question to you is, have you tried any vehicles self-driving and what is your trust level of it anywhere from one to terrified? (laughs) I like that you say you're not comfortable with the decisions it's making like, oh, no, my Tesla is drinking Pepsi, not Coke. Uh, like, no, <laughs> terrifyingly driving down the wrong side of the road. Why are you doing this car? Um, I Self-driving stuff terrifies me. I'm on the terrified end of the spectrum. Uh, and part of that is because I really enjoy driving and I, you know, live in a city that is known for some trickiness in dealing with uh, traffic patterns and the like. And so my uh, trust level of a car navigating those successfully is pretty low. Uh, I routinely get into fights with my best friend from college about this because he is an emergency room doctor and he has seen, you know, a lot of the downsides of people being allowed to drive cars in many of the states they're in and totally reasonable. But I work with software every day. And let me tell you, it does not inspire confidence in many of the decisions it makes. We were just discussing the ability to not find a file when you slightly mistype a file name. (laughs) Now you want to put the same technology in charge of deciding whether or not to turn down a street. For me, I am I am suspect. I, I think sticking with some sort of happy medium of stuff that enhances the, the safety of the person already driving is kind of the sweet spot. I assume at some point we'll get to these cars that fully drive themselves, but I think until every car drives itself in, in this, every car behaves in a somewhat predictable manner, this is kind of just asking for, for trouble. Uh, I'm just imagining Dan's swarm future where the entire co- car collective is a hive moving us around. Is I saw know, that Fast receptacles. and Furious movie. <laughs> yeah, I haven't tried. I've been in Teslas and I've been in, I've never tried them myself, but I've had demos of them. And it, it seems like one of those technologies where inevitably we'll get there, but there'll be a lot of turbulence along the way, both just in terms of how the systems work and ingesting all the data and making decisions about everything that happens, you know, not just in a beautiful Arizona desert, but in Boston where they park on eight sides of the same street with snow <laughs> flurrying it, you know, like, like the worst of the worst conditions. And also ethically, like right now, a human will swerve to avoid a dog and just plow into a bank or into another car where a computer is going to go, ah, it's just a dog. And we're going to have to learn to live <laughs> with our cars running over dogs. Because Sorry, it's, it's, I don't like it's, this future you're talking about, Renee. Me either. Me either. <laughs> or it's, it's doing an actuarial calculation to say that grandma has less time left than the, than oh the little gosh. girl in this car. <laughs> so if you're going to swerve, hit granny. I mean, I'm just not <laughs> equipped to deal with any of this stuff, let alone... Uh, I think our society. So I am happy if Elon is running his little incubator while while the rest of us have a little bit of time still to catch up to the implications of all of this. I like the idea of self-driving cars and I want to get to a place where that is safe. But I was just reading a thread about a guy who uh, kind of relied a little bit too much on his self-driving vehicle. Um, and the Tesla in autopilot mode uh, kept going into this left lane that was like a left exit. But in between the left exit was this, um, this traffic crush thingy. <laughs> and it's where if you get into an accident, it sort of crushes and takes all of the force out of the uh, accident, and then you don't end up dying. Uh, but the problem is that left exit caused so many accidents that the crush thingy had not been reset. And so he ended up dying. Um, 
because of the number of accidents that had happened. And they believe that this was in 2018. They believe that he was playing a game on his phone uh, based on a bunch of different logs, car logs, crash logs, this and that and the other, um, because he had trusted his autopilot enough. So eh, we're not there yet. But I would love to get there so that, you know, the, the, the trumpeter who's practicing before the symphony, um, in, in their car on the way to the, the symphony, uh, can do so safely. As, as a granny and a dog lover, <laughs> I had trouble yeah. with where the conversation was going before, but I did want to clarify that the decisions that I'm, I'm concerned about is that my car is overly cautious. So, uh, it, it's got a mode now where it can recognize traffic lights, but it stops at green lights. Sometimes, yeah. most of the time it goes through them, but sometimes it stops them. Which or could it'll be dangerous, right? Because exactly. somebody could rear-end you. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, or yeah. it slams on the brakes when it when it sees a dark shadow every every once in a while. Not often, but enough that you're like, oh, come on. So anyway, just wanted to clarify that. We have reached halftime. Uh, and that means that I get to tell you about our awesome pals at Linode. Linode has been sponsoring uh, Clockwise for so long, and I just... I. I can't say enough good about Linode. Uh, whether you're working on a personal project or you are all the way up there managing enterprise infrastructure, you deserve simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing solutions that allow you to take your project to the next level. You can simplify your cloud infrastructure with Linode's Linux virtual machines, helping you develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Right, frankly, anything that could make your workflow faster and easier... It's worth checking out. Linode has 11 global data centers and provides, and this, I, I just actually had a conversation with Linode. I think it was last week. This is unheard of in the, in, in this industry. 24 seven human support, 365 days a year. So you are never going to be stuck without support, night or day, holiday or not. Linode is there with no tiers or handoffs or anything, regardless of your plan size. That is unheard of in this industry, 24-7, 365. And you can check it out for free. Get started right now on Linode today with a $100 uh, credit for listeners of Clockwise by going to linode.com slash clockwise. In addition to shared and dedicated compute instances, you can use your $100 credit on S3 compatible object storage, managed Kubernetes, and more. So head to linode.com slash clockwise and click on the create free account button to get started. Go there now, check it out. And our thanks to Linode for its support of this show and all of Relay FM. Alrighty, Dan, what is your topic? Now, rumors this morning suggest that there may be a capability in the latest iPhone 12 series to reverse charge using the sort of the MagSafe connector uh, or the uh, the Qi charging, which is to say you could pop something else on your iPhone uh, and potentially have it charge that device. I'm, it's sort of a dual question for you. Does that seem like something that's interest to you? Can you see an application for that? And sort of related, have you used, if you have a new iPhone, have you used MagSafe? Is that something that appeals to you, Renee? I have used not quite the stuffing out of MagSafe, but pretty close to the stuffing out of MagSafe. <laughs> I've just been using it constantly because it's it's just so ASMR. Whenever you thwack that thing on, I just thwack, thwack, thwack. I feel like I'm stuck staring at it as I go thwack, just just over and over again. <laughs> it's almost as satisfying as the AirPods case opening and closing mm, and opening mm. and closing. It just puts me in a mental state that lets me deal with 2020 so much, so much more easily. I, I've listened to the inductive charging rumors like last year. It was rumored and they said Apple cut at the last minute, but there was never any hardware 
in the device found that actually supported it. So I'm taking this with a huge, a huge MagSafe-sized grain of salt. I think it's convenient. I've tried it on Android phones in the past, but inductive charging isn't efficient in the best of times. That's why it's so hot. It's so wasteful. And you, you could barely charge a phone. It'll just trickle charge a phone. You could charge AirPods, but I'm never certain on the value proposition of taking power from my phone to power the headphones that require the phone to do anything useful. So it's sort of like a, a geek checklist item, I think. And if it's there, people will stop asking about it, which can be blissful on the internet. <laughs> but I'm not otherwise that, that extremely interested in it. You know, here's the interesting thing about podcasts and about talking and listening to uh, smart folks is that sometimes you go into a thing expecting to have one answer and then someone like Renee comes along and says smart things and you change your mind. Um, I kind of thought that this was, on the face of it, a cool idea. But um, Renee's point about the... Uh, I love a good bit of just pure logic. And what we, what you mentioned there, uh, you charge your headphones with your phone, the thing that you are using your headphones for. Um, yeah, that doesn't quite make sense when I think about it. And so in that way, um, I think that, I think that this is odd. I, I've been using MagSafe quite a bit with the new iPhone 12 Pro. Um, I also love that that sound that it makes. And because of the way that the magnets perfectly align the coils, um, and due to some other, you know, magic that's going on there, you can get uh, a faster charging speed than you would with standard Qi at 7.5 watts. You get it at 12 watts. Um, so I could see Apple doing some because of the MagSafe doing some magical uh, stuff there to make sure that the alignment is proper and that you can actually get a good charge without too much heat um, and sort of loss of energy. But I don't know. Uh, when I l- listen to Renee's point about kind of charging the thing with the thing that you're using for the thing, <laughs> I, I'm not as excited about it. Allison, what about you? Well, I thought kind of along the same lines as Renee, and I. so I went down a priority order here. It seems to me that having the iPhone charged is the most important thing, but the AirPods, I'm, I'm with Renee. I can't see sacrificing iPhone charge for AirPods, but what about my watch? If my watch is dying, which it's more likely to do than, than the AirPods, I would think that it probably wouldn't suck that much out in order to uh, actually make the charge, so I might do it for, for my Apple Watch. Yeah, I've used MagSafe a bit on my 12 Pro. I have a the MagSafe Puck. It's plugged into the old USB-C charger, so it doesn't even charge at full speed, I believe. Um, great. Uh, I think the main intriguing thing for me with reverse charging is one mention was that these the, the mythical Apple tags, which have yet to materialize, could use these as a charging thing. And I think there is a sense to that in the idea of if you think about Apple's long-term strategy of potentially getting rid of ports on devices or using more devices that don't have ports, uh, I can see why they wouldn't want to necessarily put a lightning port on a device that you're supposed to slip into your wallet. Um, and rather, you would just sort of like clip it, you know, magnet it to the back of your phone and have it charged that way. I did also see that they suggest this might only be available if your phone is plugged in, which certainly does seem to uh, remove some of the utility. It's not like something you can do when you're out and about. It acts more as like a power like transfer than an actual charging thing. So I'm, I'm like Renee, I'm pretty skeptical and uh, not really sure of the other uh, applicability of this. But 
I also firmly believe that Apple could easily come out with something you go, oh, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. Not exactly a ringing endorsement, but yeah, maybe it makes it feasible or plausible at the very least. Thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let us go to our final topic, which comes from Renee. So this is a combination, Renee and Jason Howell comment, because I saw him raging about the same thing on Twitter. I am very fond of the Oculus Quest. It was my gadget of the year, I think, last year. There's a second version out. But Facebook went and I think counter to what they originally said, now now require a Facebook login, especially for new customers for everybody soon. And originally, I'm like, that's not so egregious because you pretty much need a Google login for Android and Apple login for iPhone. But the way Facebook is... Even if you set aside everything terrible about Facebook in general, uh, the way they've been handling the login has been atrocious. Like if you don't also use Facebook, they've been canceling your account. And if you try to use multiple devices, and it made me wonder how closely should our hardware be tied into the login of the services of the person who makes it? Not at all. Like maybe the Department of Justice will soon mandate. Or is there an advantage to having that sort of close integration? I think that this kind of boils down to, for me, the conversation about acquisitions and, and what happens, uh, in, in that's in, in that, you know, moment and what happens when a company becomes a steward of another company or a technology. Um, I know that I would be very annoyed if the Eero routers that I have suddenly started requiring an Amazon login simply because the company is owned by Amazon. It's kind of a gut check thing. The Facebook acquires this company and then you feel forced to log in with your Facebook account without providing any clear reason why that needs to happen versus with an iPhone where oh, if I log in, then I'm going to be able to get all of my apps that I've always had. I'll be able to download my iCloud drive uh, on an Android device that I set up new. Um, it was so easy to get all my apps again. I mean, there are so many clear advantages there that with this, I think that that's what it's, it comes down to for me. Uh, Allison, what about you? Well, kind of building on what you said, Micah, it, it seems to me that if a company invents something, and then they use the login for the company to let you use that thing. You don't really feel a problem with it. With When you acquire a company and you say, oh, yeah, this is going to be a standalone thing like, you know, Instagram, for example. And then you suddenly say, oh, now we're going to start cross-pollinating this and putting these pieces together. And you have to use this to log into that. That's when I think the the real problem is. And it's probably part of that bigger problem of antitrust that we've been yapping so much about lately that, that brings these two things together. And, and I think you really hit on something, Rene, or, uh, Micah, is that you said, I feel good when I do this. When I log in with my, my Apple ID, I get all these things that I wanted. This is a case of where you're, you're being stuck to something that you already think is icky. You know, you're, you're not, you don't feel joyful that you got to use your Facebook login because you always feel like you have to take a shower after you use Facebook. Yeah. I, you know, I struggle with this too, because to, to Renee's point about, you know, these are, these are services or, or, um, devices produced by a company and should you not be allowed to use the logins? And I agree. I, I have no problem putting my Apple ID in. I'm just trying to think how far could you get with an iPhone without having an Apple ID? Probably not very far, at least not very useful. Um, I, I don't like the idea of of Facebook um, with this, and I feel like it comes down to to a strong degree 
what information and why. Like, you know, there are a lot of places that offer the ability to log in with your Google account, whether they're Google services or not. And a lot of the reason I don't do that is because I know that Google has a vested interest in collecting more information about me, as does Facebook. And so as a result, I am very wary of that because I, I guess there's a question of why Why does it want to know this about me? Why does it care what VR games that I'm playing? Um, and so I don't necessarily uh, object to the idea that a, a company might have you sign into their own platform, although part of me wonders if maybe Facebook would have given the option to like have a separate like Oculus account uh, and you being able to use that or your Facebook um, log in. And I can understand why they don't want that, but it might appeal to users a lot. So I think a lot of it is not just the fact that it's something where a company is forcing you to log into their platform, but more a bigger question of what is the company gaining from me logging into that platform? Is it to provide me with services that I want, or is it to provide me with things that they want? Yeah, I, I feel it really does matter about the company. I had an Oculus account. I was fine with it. And now we're being will eventually be force migrated. But to me, it's just how badly they're handling it. Like if I create an Apple ID just to use an iPhone or a Google ID, and then I don't use iCloud or I don't use Google Calendar, they don't care where Facebook has just been canceling the accounts if you don't also use Facebook. And they're poly and if like a guest comes over, if Micah or Dan or Allison comes over and we try to use two of them, they're canceling the accounts as well. So it just seems like their goal is to push Facebook accounts and not really create a good Oculus experience. And to me, that's that's the huge and terrible differentiator. <sighs> frustrating. Absolutely frustrating. Um, and you know what else is frustrating? This episode's almost over, but we've got just enough time for a bonus topic. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you about the very awesome Woven, the all-in-one calendar, perfect for busy people. Woven syncs all of your calendars in one place including your Google, your G Suite, and your Microsoft 365 accounts, so you can see all of your time, both personal and professional. Look, if you don't know uh, what your next ev event is, if you don't know what your next meeting is, if you don't know uh, whether you've got a show to record later in the day, it just leaves you feeling disorganized and you can't get anything done. And that is why a great calendar is so important, uh, especially for busy people. Woven builds scheduling links directly into your calendar so you can use one-off scheduling links. Quickly time block your week using Woven's smart templates so you can plan your perfect week. Woven also has built-in analytics so you can easily calculate where you spend your time and make time for what matters most. You've really got to check this out. Take control of your calendar, improve your workflow, and as a listener of Clockwise, you can try Woven free for 21 days. Go to Woven.com or click the link in the show notes. That's Woven.com. Our thanks to Woven for their support of this show and Relay FM. Alrighty, folks, my bonus question for you. Are you dressing up for Halloween? Allison? Yes, I'm going as a terrified American voter. <laughs> I love it. Dan? <laughs> Um, probably not. I'm going as a podcaster. Uh, I don't, I'm bad at costumes. I'm very bad at costumes. Renee? I, I would not otherwise, but based on your knowledge of Georgia Dow, I'll let you figure out how that's going to work out for me. <laughs> Ex yeah, <laughs> you'll be dressing up. Um, I, I will not be dressing up this year and normally I would dress up my dogs, um, but I'm giving them a break because we all deserve a break. I guess that brings us to the end of this episode. All that's left is to thank our incredible guests, Allison Sheridan. Thanks so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me. It was an absolute blast. 
And Renee Ritchie, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's great. It's always great to be here. And Micah, we'll be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody out there, watch what you say. And please go vote.